Welcome to the Medical Minute Podcast. I'm your host, student Dr. Tour, and I'm going to be going over one of my favorite diseases, schizophrenia. Let's go ahead and go over a clinical vignette and then we'll get into the topic. So, a young 24-year-old college student is referred to you because of increasingly bizarre behavior over the course of the last semester by his roommate. His roommate actually reports that he hasn't left his room for weeks and he's obsessed with hearing these voices in his head that are telling him to make sure that the fish get taken out of the fish tank and deep fried. Because if he doesn't, the FBI are going to listen to him and put cameras in his bathroom. He actually really believes that he's the only one in the world with this particular special ability to sense if the FBI is going to be watching him. He's actively paranoid and thinks that the CIA is also out to get him. A consulting psychiatrist admits the patient to the psychiatry ward. And he started on a low dose of risperidone. So, although that question stem was quite short, in reality, schizophrenia is a very complex disease and presents in often challenging ways to young trainees such as myself, but nonetheless an absolutely fascinating disorder of the mind. If you could generally describe schizophrenia, I would describe it as a psychiatric disorder with periods of psychosis, hallucinations, delusions, and other symptoms. Um, An amount of disturbed behavior and some sort of decline in social functioning. Now, typically, schizophrenia has its onset in the late teens to about the mid-30s with a peak onset for males in their mid-20s and a peak onset for females in their later 20s. Risk factors for developing schizophrenia is marijuana use in teenagers. So what exactly is the underlying pathophysiology of schizophrenia? Well, In short, it's an abnormality of the dopaminergic system. Typically, it's a decrease in dopamine activity in the mesocortical system, which is going to lend itself to the negative symptoms of schizophrenia, which we'll get into later, and an increase in dopaminergic activity in the mesolimbic system, which is going to lend itself to positive symptoms, which, again, we'll get into later. 
there are associated conditions, such as brief psychotic disorder, which is the symptoms, as we'll get into later, of schizophrenia that last less than a month, and it's usually stress-related. Schizophreniform disorder, which is the schizophrenic symptoms lasting typically about one to six months, and the schizoaffective disorders, which are schizophrenic symptoms with manic or depressed episodes. The mood disturbance must be present for the majority of the total amount of time of the disorder. And very interestingly, steroid-induced psychosis, which is often left out in the differential with elderly patients who may be on or may have received a prolonged course of corticosteroids. The prognosis for schizophrenia is challenging to psychiatrists because full recovery is quite rare. And the factors that can actually dictate or help predict a poorer prognosis include things like an earlier age onset, a family history of schizophrenia, because there is a genetic component to schizophrenia, and structural brain abnormalities, which lends schizophrenia to being somewhat considered a neuropsychiatric disorder. I highly recommend looking at some images of the brain on patients who have schizophrenia, and you can see certain brains that have, um, parts of the brain that have undergone atrophy. So, what are the positive symptoms? Again, the positive symptoms are associated with increased dopaminergic activity in the mesolimbic system. These are auditory hallucinations, delusions that can be fixed or false, disorganized speech or behavior, and the negative symptoms, which are associated with decreased dopaminergic activity in the mesocortical system. The negative symptoms include flat affect, grossly catatonic behavior, a lack of speech or thought, a lack of motivations, and some amount of social withdrawal. The presence of two or more of the following for at least six months must be made. Delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, disorganized, cat disorganized or catatonic behavior, negative symptoms, and at least one of the symptoms must be delusions, hallucinations, or disorganized speech. By going over that particular diagnostic criteria, you can see that clinically, a schizophrenic patient is going to present differently than the next. And this can make it often difficult for trainees like myself to truly hash out whether or not this person is undergoing a delusion or a hallucination or whether or not they actually meet the criteria for diagnosis. 
Some psychiatric differentials to consider include delusional disorder, schizotypal disorder, schizoid personality disorder, and paranoid personality disorder. This lends itself to a very interesting question, which is, how do you treat it? Now, for the sake of time and my level of expertise, we'll stick with a very basic general approach. There actually are lifestyle interventions, which include cognitive behavioral therapy and some amount of training when it comes to developing social skills. Oftentimes, these patients will need medications, though, and these include your first-gen antipsychotics and your second-gen antipsychotics. The names of some of these first-gen antipsychotics include haloperidol or chlorpormazine. The second-generation antipsychotics include areperprazole, lorazidone, clozapine, olanzapine, quietapine, ziprazidone, or risperidone. What are some complications of schizophrenia? Well, the biggest one, and most common one, is substance use, with an incidence of about 20 to 70% of schizophrenic patients abusing substances. And risk factors for this particular complication include being a younger male, and the treatment is going to actually be dual-pronged, addressing the drug and alcohol abuse and the actual psychosis. Another complication is suicide, with a very high rate in schizophrenia. Risk factors for committing suicide when you're a schizophrenic patient include depression. How do you treat this particular complication? Is the addition of antidepressants to the current antipsychotic regimen. But there is mixed evidence supporting this particular claim. But it may help actually treat those negative symptoms of chronic schizophrenia. This is a very broad, generalized view and discussion of schizophrenia. But I hope that this provides a refresher on this topic for healthcare providers or for family members or individuals inflicted with schizophrenia.